Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's in full swing. It's almost Thanksgiving, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. And from game spreads and totals to team player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And don't forget, sports fans, there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. I have some very special guests. I'm honored to have them on. It's such a pleasure. And with Thanksgiving right around the corner, I think we're just going to grab a big plate and do a little bit of a sports buffet today. We're going to touch a little bit on all of our favorite Chicago sports teams. Joining me today are the hosts of Believe in Chicago Sports, Joey Gelman and Dan Collins. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the pod. And also, welcome to the Believe Podcast Network family. Uh, if I may begin, Joey, how has the experience been doing Believe in Chicago Sports for the Believe Podcast Network? Are you guys enjoying yourselves? Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for having us on. It's been a blast. I mean, we've been, I think we're on, we've hit our two-month mark. Maybe it was this week. So we've been, you know, kicking ass doing two shows a week. And it's it's been a lot of fun. It, it Dan and I are, are good friends and reunited on the microphone again. We used to host together back in college. So it's nice to get, uh, get our mics back in front of us and uh, able to complain, cheer, whatever you want to call it, about all of our favorite our favorite teams, because the news doesn't stop, that's for sure. Well, that's great to hear that there's a partnership reunited. Dan, you know, uh, for a lot of people, and especially for us sports fans here in Chicago, what has it been like uh, hosting Believe in Chicago Sports Pod? You begin with such brimming enthusiasm, but this Bears season is just really bringing you to a different mental, emotional place, so you're having a good time, though, still. Man, well, first things first, let me not trip over the red carpet that's being rolled out. This is very nice. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for having us on, Joey. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's weird that other Joey here, I'm looking at two Joeys now uh, over here on the Zoom screen, that you know, it, 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 we are reunited now behind the microphone. And when we did this back in college a few years back, when we you know, went our separate ways after graduation, we said, hey, maybe this will happen again one day, and we'll talk about better sporting moments because our time in Illinois gave us nothing but firings and – coaches in trouble and a bunch of losses we had to recap, whether it be football or basketball, even though Illini basketball finally on the up and up. Let's go Illini. But Luther head, Luther head for life. Wow. <laughs> Throwing it way back there. I love it. Um, but no, it's still been a lot of fun because no matter what, if there's one thing that we've been focusing mostly on bears and luckily now we get to transition into bulls and eventually hockey and all that. And we touched on baseball a little bit too, but when you're covering and talking about the Chicago sports scene, there's never a lack of content. You know, even if it's, even if it's not necessarily content that you want to be discussing and enjoyable, it's still something you could debate over, discuss, talk, and it's been a whole lot of fun. Definitely um, very fortunate to not only do it with Joey, but here on a, on a good network. So yeah, like you said, I guess now it's time for, how did you put a, a buffet, if you will, of uh, yeah, Chicago we're gonna sports go, information? We're going to take a little bit of everything. We're going to try a little bit of everything today. And I really do. I love, I love your guys' show. I try and listen as often as I possibly can. Really love the Dave Wanstead interview. And honestly, being a Chicago sports fan, right, there's pain in that passion. And Man. there's no other way to really look at it and think about it. So I want to hit, uh, you know, let's get right into it, you guys. I want to talk about the Chicago Bulls at first. They had a little something called the NBA draft last night. 
The Bulls, for the first time, I think, in 55 years, were not drafting seventh overall, which always is a nice little, <laughs> nice little caveat there. They drafted fourth last night. Joey, we're going to hit you first. Just want to get your opinion. Oh, pressure's on. Yeah, I just want to hit you on the uh, how you felt about the Patrick Williams pick, and was that your preferred choice? And if it wasn't, who was your preferred choice? You know, it, it's a funny question because this draft was so kind of oddball. Like you sat there and you go, I don't have a clear-cut favorite in this in this race because there wasn't the Zion Williamson at the top or or the top eight guys you knew you have to get. And that's where the Bulls always sat at seven of like, oh, the top five are fantastic, but six and seven are garbage. And you kept being stuck there. So I'm perfectly fine with the Patrick Williams pick. And, and I think it's showing you kind of what this new regime is looking for. And they're actually sticking to that mentality of young, athletic, versatile kind of, kind of player. And the fact that the first thing that basically comes out of Patrick Williams' mouth last night is how much respect he has for this organization in the front office. I mean, that's just a complete slap in the face to what was there before. So that's my happiest takeaway from this is, oh, my God, the Bulls are respected again as an organization. And for their draft pick to, to say how analytically forward and, and, and progressive thinking these guys are, it's like, thank goodness. Like, we finally turned the corner on that, on that perception that was killing them for years. Yeah, Gar Foreman heard that last night and went glib glob 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 glib glob. He was not happy, if I could translate just for you real quick. I'm with you. At first, I'll be honest, I, I watched all the YouTube clips. Try to get as many highlights in as I can, because let's be honest, there weren't a lot of games to watch, not a lot of film out there. I personally did not really want Patrick Williams at number four last night. But to your point, and you're bringing up an excellent point of, you know what, this draft is so weird, not just talent-wise, but just in terms of this unprecedented time. We're not getting a chance to see a bunch of minutes from these guys that I'm trying to keep as op- much of an open mind as possible. And also to your point, too, you know, new ownership, new GM. I'm not sorry, new ownership. I'm sorry, new president of operations, new GM in the fold. You know, this is their first move. This is the first taste of perhaps what could be molding this franchise moving forward, the types of players that you're looking for. Dan, I'd love to hear from you. Do you like the Patrick Williams pick? Did you think it was going to be someone else? And, and how are you feeling about it today? I like the pick. It wasn't necessarily what I thought was going to happen moving in. What, what I wanted from the Chicago Bulls was in order to win in the NBA, you, you need that, that star, right? There's only five guys out there playing on the court. You need a star to not only lead the way, but to bring in other stars, right? Because that's, that's just the style of the NBA is you need to bring in more people. The, the players, unlike any other league out there, whether it be the NFL or the MLB, they lobby so much for other free agents to come in more than, like I said, any other league across the freaking country. But when the Patrick's Williams draft pick came in, it made so much sense, right? Because it kind of sets the tone for what this regime with AK at the top leading the way wants to do here in Chicago. And I think it sends the signal to Bulls fans where, all right, sit back, relax. This is going to be a long-term thing. It's a long-term project. You bring in a guy like Billy Donovan, one of the things he's known for, and at least within his time at OKC, is development. And that's what this type of player like Patrick Williams is going to be. He's so raw. Like you said, not starting in college, more or less coming off the bench. We don't have anything March Madness related because, well, we didn't have it, unfortunately. So this is going to be – it's a project. You know, that, that's what at least this Patrick Williams draft pick feels like. But not only that, but just the revamping of the team in and of itself is all a long-term project. So the draft pick and just what the vision is totally connects with each other. I know there was a lot of rumors out there that they might, you know, draft up or, you know, trade up, trade down. 
like I said, if that sounds more like a, like a Band-Aid type of fix, you know, where you're trying to maybe bring in some kind of all-star caliber-ish player to try to compete for, you know, a final, a final seed or something like that, or one, you know, final playoff spot. But I guess, yeah, just, just to, just to bring it full circle. I, I like it because I'm, I'm fine with, especially being a Sox fan, right. I'm fine with rebuilds and relaxing. That, that's, that's been like the theme of the city so far, right. It's like, all right, which team is up next in Chicago that's going to dial it back and just let things, let things play out, let things develop. Cause let's be, let's be real here. When you go back to the guard packs regime, they probably would have done something completely different last night, or they would have been super cliche, pick the best available player at a dude from Duke or Duke or Kansas. And just, you know, Uh, yeah. And I I think that because even AK said himself, though, he wants the best available talent, right? That's who he was going to pick in. In his mind, he did just more raw material. And considering that this is what this needs to be, I think the best way for the Bulls to compete within the next three years, four years, is to dial it back and just play the long game. And I think that's where you're on to something where I think that pick of Patrick Williams last night signaled to Bulls fans that I don't think the front office thinks we're making the playoffs next year. And I think they're looking at this as a year two, year three thing. Sometimes when you get Billy Donovan, you want to make your stamp, you want to make your imprint, show up, become that seven seed. Come on, guys, let's win 40 games. But clearly that doesn't seem – they're going to take a little bit more of a measured approach. Dan, I do want to follow up with you on one thing, though, because I agreed with everything that you just said. The reason why I didn't want Patrick Williams was I was kind of hoping that for once the Bulls would take a home run swing. And the one thing that I'm just looking for is I just wanted a kid out of college that can shoot right away. So I was looking at a guy like a Killian Hayes, something like that, where, you know, raw, again, could be a total bust but also could be an all-star. I was willing to take that chance. And the only thing that I'll ask you is I'm starting to wrap my head around Patrick Williams. You know, he's 6'9", but he was a, he's a point guard in high school, so he can handle defense, shot, and everything. Are you guys ever at all triggered since the Trubisky situation of, like, when something surprises you that a Chicago sports team does, do you ever get a little triggered that like you're kind of talking yourself into Patrick Williams, that you're kind of wrapping your head around it a little bit? And I'm not saying that he's going to be a bust, but I'm, I'm having these weird, these awful thoughts of just like, hey, buddy, I've done this to myself before. Yeah, or, or are you talking about just a Chicago sports team with a top five first round pick who drafts somebody out of college who doesn't have a whole lot of starts to their resume and maybe you're only drafting them because they're raw, raw material and you got No the- similarities, Dan. Oh, no similarities. Yeah. Damn yeah. thing. <laughs> I did it. No, I did it. We, we, we did the Mitch Trubisky comp here on the show. I'm sorry, guys. Um, no, not really because with – granted, it, it's, it's huge, right? You, it's a top five pick. This team needs to get better. And with this, with the AK regime, it started yesterday. That was the big moment. Like it, it starts here. Here's our draft pick. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna go on ahead and build this thing here. But the best thing to me about about this pick is that it, what the NBA, it, it's positionless, positionless basketball, right? And Patrick really, he he could play. You know, he could he could defend anybody one through five, play a one through five position potentially. How well? I don't know. We'll see that development. But it sounds to me like. They weighed out all the options. You had a very clear mindset on who those top three were going to be. I mean, that happened. It was favorite, favorite, favorite in terms of who the draft picks were going to be one, two, three. So the Bulls obviously had an idea of what was going to be available. And to me, it just obviously wasn't worth it for them to take that home run type of swing. And 
it just all circles back to the point of, I get it because that's not what they're looking for. That's not what they're looking to do. And where does that really land them? Like you said, I mean, you even opened it up by saying, okay, that gets us maybe seven seed, eight, somewhere during the lower tier of the postseason. And let's think about this. We don't know what the fan situation is like next year. Sometimes you just try to make the postseason, right, to try to maybe keep going with bringing the fans in and, and you know, more monetarily. You know, now you have more money because you're playing it in postseason, but no point. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, 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 don't, we don't have that this year. You don't necessarily even have to worry about that. Who knows if we're going to have fans in the stands or not, but – it's just, it's, it's, it also says, like, this is the way it's going to be. It doesn't only signal that, hey, we're going to do a long-term thing. It shows that the AK regime is just going to do it their way. And I'm down with that. If, if, they, if they trust their process, that's always what it is with these real rebuilds, right? It's just trust the process, trust where this is going. I'll take the ride. I just hope, I just hope it finally ends in the right place. But I think more also, too, where you, where you were hinting at was, am I just trying to play salesman to myself in my head? I don't think so. This doesn't take a hard sales pitch for me to think that this was the right move. Let's face it, even if it doesn't necessarily work out and Patrick Williams isn't this one of the best top three players in, in Chicago on the Bulls roster, all right, I still get where they were at. And I don't want to see him end up being a bust. I want to see him being a big contributor to this team. But I don't think it necessarily has – I don't need to do that hardcore sales pitch in my head. I don't know if Joey did, but – yeah, I was going to say, Joey, are you, are you hopping on the ride as well with Dan? Are you keeping the faith? Or am, am I just a, maybe a, a damaged Chicago sports fan right now? So when a new person in power comes in and makes a pick with conviction and surprises us, I, I start to, you know, the hair on the back of my neck starts to stand up a little bit. I know apples to oranges, different sports, but are you keeping the faith with AK for the time being? I am because this is, this is like, if we want to bring it back to the Trubisky thing we just said, there's a, there's a key difference of, you were so confident when Matt Nagy came in and Ryan Pace revamped this thing. Well, yes, it's a dumpster fire now. But the idea was you were this whole new regime, but wait, he was saddled with the old regime's quarterback. And so that was a weird process. You couldn't really see how to build out how to make that marriage work. I think with this one, they are a new regime and they're betting on themselves that they know what this player has and they can develop him into the player they want him to be. And for that I have to give the faith. There's, if this was Garpax telling me this, no. But this group knows how to develop players and is is trying to prove that, that yes, this may not be the LeBron James draft with this pick, but it's a guy that they know that they can develop with their new scouting departments, their new coaching departments, their new analysts, everything that's been built now can help this guy succeed. And it's why you sit here and you go, okay, well, the Garpax group coveted Chris Dunn for like two years, whether they were going to draft him and then when they traded for him for Jimmy Butler. And now Chris Dunn is going to probably no longer be on your team since they pulled back the qualifying offer. And it's like, okay, that's a guy that one group of talent evaluators said, this is a guy that's going to lead our team as a point guard. And the other group's like, hell no, we're not giving this guy any more money. We're moving on. So in that respect, I have to give a little olive branch and a little faith to the new guys to say, if they're telling me they can develop them, let's see what they can do. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. I'm going to keep poking holes in my own comparison because I just wanted to bring it up because I think it is sort of in a Chicago sports fan's psyche now of, as you mentioned with the Trubisky comparison, we had literally watched Deshaun Watson win the national title. What was that? Just months before that. That was a known commodity. I don't want to hear the business about how we should have taken Mahomes because I feel like Mahomes, no one was really banging the drum for him going, 
num in the top 10, really, let alone top two. I was, I thought that was a Watson pick at the time. So they're certainly different and very interested to see it in terms of like, no one can really get their handle on the talent in this draft either. So I think a lot of guys can surprise some guys can disappoint. Maybe there's an Anthony Bennett in the draft. And then, you know, maybe there is that Giannis further down the road. We really don't know. Time will kind of tell something. Maybe we can wrap our heads around a little bit more. Um, Joey, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Just your thoughts on your general belief in Zach Levine long-term on the Chicago Bulls. Um, do you like him as a lead scorer? Would you prefer that he was on the team, but maybe a second or third option? Or do you think maybe he's just that hollow placeholder for the next version of this team, maybe in two or three years? You know, that's a great question. Dan and I haven't discussed Levine's role yet, and, and maybe we'll do it later on our show. <laughs> but it's, it's really a tough question because I think you look at it from two prisms. From a, from a strictly basketball perspective, do I think he's a, like the, the, the greatest scorer in the world? No. And I think you could probably find someone better. I think it's what you said. He's kind of can be a he's a young placeholder kind of guy that can score a lot of points, but may not be that end all be all two guard small forward kind of combo that was going to lead you to the top. But there's the other part of me that is just wanting to justify the Jimmy Butler trade at all costs because you're seeing what Drew Holiday is going for and other guys are going for around the league, and you look at Butler who's you know made the finals and. You're sitting here with Chris Dunn's now gone. Zach Levine's still here with questions. Larry Markkinen's probably a guy and a fixture for this team for a while. But two out of three of that trade may not be here long-term, and that's a big problem. So I, I, I think there's the, the one part of fan me is like, I want to justify that. But the other part from the basketball perspective is, I haven't really been sold yet. Maybe this new group can develop them into the guy they are versus having a focus on, you know, punching a punch clock when he gets to work every day like Jim Boylan did. So... I think the jury's still out on him. I'm not sold that he can be that guy that can lead it. Yeah, Jimmy Butler on a team with a strong coaching staff, organizational structure, a team that drafts well and then develops players. Man, if only the Bulls had that. Dang it. What are we going to, you know, gosh, if only Jimmy Butler could have made that happen. Dan, I'll maybe simplify it for you. Can the Bulls win with Zach Levine as their leading scorer? No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. I mean – there, there's nothing that I've that I've seen the past few seasons. With. I mean, basically, Zach Levine has, has been leading the way the past few seasons. That that's the go-to guy in the team, right? And he just doesn't. And maybe this is just a poor way of saying it, but the eye test and everything else, he just doesn't strike you. And I know we said this about a, a one Mr. Jimmy Butler when he was here too, as a bona fide all-star or superstar in this league. And that's what you need if if you're going to win an NBA title, you probably have to have a top three top five player I mean just look at the past 10 plus championships right you need you need to have a top three top five player and you're telling me that Zach Levine is going to evolve and he's going to keep continuing to become like this type of top five player in the NBA I don't think so I think we're still the Bulls are still on the hunt for who their main superstar is going to be I don't think that person Zach Levine if Zach Levine is your leading your leading scorer and your leading superstar on the team then that means everybody else is below him in, in terms of like superstar stardom or status. So to me, that just doesn't, that that's not going to be a winning recipe. He's, he's been the guy, like, like Joey said, who, who knows even where he ends up and what his place is on this team. I mean, a still fairly young team, but there's something that, you know, I thought about with the way things unfolded last night is while it's a pretty young core, it's one thing for like, you know, people in the media and fans to sit back and say, all right, well, we'll be patient with how this process is going to weigh out. But 
what about the actual players and the people on the team, you know, and the guys on the court, like the Markinans, the, the Levines, they have to now be content that you didn't either trade up or down or bring in a, or bring in a superstar. You're not necessarily eyeing some big name free agents or anything like that within the next year or so probably like they also now Zach Levine now has to be comfortable with writing it out and seeing who else they bring in from there. Um, and I guess just to, you know, answer your question, I don't, I, I don't see, I don't see a way where Zach Levine's your leading scorer. And in that case, probably, you know, the best player on your team, your best superstar and the bulls could legitimately contend for a championship. And that's the irony, or I guess maybe bittersweet where Joey, you were talking about the Jimmy Butler trade and, you know, obviously, you know, I don't have the receipts, but I was against the trade at the time. I just, I just thought Jimmy Butler turned into the dude in the fourth quarter who said, give me the ball. I'm going to go get you a bucket. And that's, I think, what you're talking about, Dan. And what was funny was when they got Zach Levine, he was a player on the rise. He was coming off of an injury. And to Zach Levine's credit and a little bit to the Bulls' credit, the dude has turned into a, a pretty perennial scorer, right? I mean, he actually has become, in theory, that borderline all-star that when they acquired him, they thought it was going to happen. The only problem is, and the reason why I personally don't think Zach Levine is the future, is that outside of the games when he has – that 38-point performance, and just is white hot. He doesn't really help you win games. He, and that's the old cliche. He doesn't really necessarily help people. He doesn't help teammates get any better. He is very one-dimensional with just his shooting and his scoring. I know he probably wants it, but again, I fear that perhaps maybe he's hit that ceiling with what you're talking about, Dan, of you know, the very good, not the all-star. When they say the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Very Good, you know, I'm wondering if that is Zach Levine's perhaps his fate. And if he did go to a team, I saw he was rumored to go to the Mavericks as a second or third option. doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore because Seth Curry is on the move. But, I mean, I think that's going to be a big question for the Bulls moving forward. You know, do you commit to the guy long-term? And if you don't, how do you replace the 25 points that he scores? I do want to move on, though. We're going to hit it all, guys. That was a delicious appetizer. That was delicious. Patrick Williams, I don't know. That was the squash casserole where you're like, I don't know if I like that, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to see how it goes. I want to talk a little Cubs baseball with you guys. Joey, we're going to go with you first. Theo, um, not, I would say, I wouldn't say a surprise, but I would say um, a slight surprise based on the fact that we thought that he was going to finish the year and get to that 10-year window that he said he was going to do before he moved on. Just your thoughts on Theo Epstein leaving the organization. I'm sure there's probably happiness and sadness combined and i would just love to hear your thoughts on it yeah that's a perfect way to put it i mean it is kind of bittersweet it's it's this idea of he came in here and revamped an organization that was literally in the stone ages from whether baseball perspective operations perspective hell even the ballpark like i remember either it was taking a tour or talking with people and it was saying how you know the cubs offices had like wires draped through and a fax machine on the other side well, of the, I mean, the ceiling the roof was falling right, right. that was holding up cement from her right people. right so it was just an absolute chaotic scene and, and he stepped in and built something truly special and promised you that world series and you got it and, and that's all you can really ask for as a cubs fan i mean my one angry point would be that because i want to be selfish how they won one is that they didn't get more it was supposed to be more of a a dynasty and that's what's frustrating is they they hit their peak and then only kind of kept regressing and didn't backfill a lot of the the pitching holes with 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 development there but from an overall perspective as a Cubs fan he delivered what every Cub fan wanted for the last century and you you can only be grateful for that like it, it was truly 
one of the biggest moments in sports history, and he's the man that led you there. And, and for that, you got you to gotta be thankful on this Thanksgiving-themed show. There you go. Yeah, I think he's heading into the halls of, of, of Ditka, right? Like him and Joe Madden, you know, your table is ready. Where at the time, you know, if you remember when Ditka got fired, I, I, all I remember was just all my aunts and uncles and friends and family members just bitching about how Ditka was screwing up the team. But now when you move further away, Ditka is God. And I feel like that'll be hopefully the same thing with Theo and Joe Madden, right, where they move on and we'll just look back with nothing but, like, fond memories and respect because I completely agree with you. When you look back on it and you go, well, wow, your biggest free agent signing was Jason Hayward, and that was four years ago. You know, they never played in that part of the water that I think we all thought that they were going to. You know, the Bryce Harpers, the Manny Machados, pick whatever name on that list. The Cubs never really ended up doing that. And I think that was, you know, I don't know if that's ever a missed opportunity, but Dan, would I have loved to see them try with, you know, with a Manny Machado or something like that. Dan, I do want to ask you from your seat, from your perspective, Theo's now out. He's leaving, I think, a year early, which is a bit of a surprise. Do you think that perhaps portends major change coming on the north side in terms of their roster construction for 2021? Man, that's a really good question. Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think um... – you know, obviously with the promotion of Jed Hoyer, it'll be interesting to see who he brings now, right, to fill in his place at, at general manager. But I think that it's still going to go a similar direction. And who knows what the hell they have to do on the north side, right? I mean, it's very there's, – there's so many ways you could take it. And it's funny, this is still – we're still – living through this glory days or the golden age of Cubs baseball. I mean, let's face it, it. It looks like it's going down, right? We're going with the ebbs and the flows. It looks like it's now on the downhill trajectory. And I think that whatever moves they make now, you, you have to like almost be close to hitting the panic button and you got to get it on the up and up really quick. I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of ever, you know, doing the whole putting a bandaid on something to fix it or just trying to like bring a guy in, you know, for a one or two year stint to hopefully, finish out the run but let's face it I mean the, the window is closing on this team right so so whatever plan they do it's probably going to have to be a, a two or three year plan because after that now you start getting into the talk of potentially rebuilding and I don't necessarily think that Theo heading out of town is going to drastically change what they were already going to do I think that him and Theo or him and Jed sorry we're always on such a good page together that now whoever Jed brings in obviously to work with in tandem they're going to be on a similar page that him and Theo were. So I think that they're still going to go in a pretty Jed Hoyerish direction, obviously, because whoever he's bringing in, he's going to want them to have his type of vision. And they all kind of stem from the same tree. Now in football, you always talk about like the Andy Reed tree. Now it's like the Theo Epstein tree, right. From either Boston or now here in Chicago. So it's funny. I, I don't think it's going to be any drastically different now, but I'm still even trying to, we'll figure out what that's going what that's going to be and what that's going to look like and exactly how you can make it work there on the north side. And that's a great point that you're bringing up too with Jed Hoyer not taking over. You have to figure that they're probably still in lockstep where all of a sudden they're not like changing the whole playbook of how they're going to hopefully bring, you know, the Cubs back into, you know, they've been in playoff contention, but let's be honest, it's a bit of a fringe situation for them. And as you mentioned, a regression continues to happen on this team. And you're just kind of crossing your fingers, not to do another cross sports reference, but it's kind of like the Blackhawks. We've got these guys on our team that we love dearly for the rest of our lives. We all got their jerseys in our closets. And just the continued slide away from getting close to getting one more cuff. Now, they got three of them, and I'm just hoping that the Cubs can maybe reload one more time. God, it would be great with this core and maybe take one more run at it. Joey, 
heading into this offseason, a lot of people are saying you got to move one of the guys. You got to move one of the core guys. In your opinion, maybe not what you think will happen, but in your opinion, who would you move from the core guys this offseason and why? Who would I move? I wrestle with this every time I discuss it because – well, I first thought you were going to say every day, and I was going to be like, now that's a Cubs fan. No. <laughs> <laughs> it would be on script, on brand. Uh, no, you know, it, it, it depends what they want to do. It's like if they're really in a retool, rebuild mode, it's kind of free range for whoever you want to cho- choose. But I, I think from, from the core guys, I, I would have to, if you can consider them kind of fringe core, I think the easiest one would kind of be a, a Kyle Schwarber. Like, I, I feel like. I'm not ready to give up on Chris Bryant yet, even though everyone else is. I, I, I can't say that to a former MVP. I just, I just can't. Uh, Javi Baez is too special of a player to me to, to give up on that development as well. And Rizzo's your, your team leader. I mean, I don't want to be sentimental about it, but he's, he's been the anchor to everything you've built and still is, is playing at a high level. So I think, I think even with a universal DH probably sticking next year, I think Schwarber is one you can kind of unload – uh, but but there's a lot of questions here because all those guys have contracts coming up and you 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 have to make a decision as a team of where you are. So that's why, like, Joey, like, I, I, I am with you. If I want one more big run and, and make a splash and do it and at least get to another World Series, but if they're realistic about it and they can't – and they realize they can't do that, they're going to have to start kind of dismantling this thing as, as, as ugly as it may be. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the right words, right? There's the retool. There's the augment. You said dismantle. You know, if they really wanted to dismantle, right, they'd go trade you, Darvish, because he's obviously probably their best, their best piece. Now, would that mean that they compete next year? No, it wouldn't, but that means that they would at least begin that process of moving forward. I'm kind of with you on Kyle Schwarber. I got a sentimental place in my heart for that guy. You know, the big bambino, me see hit ball. You know what I mean? Like, me see ball, me hit ball. And if he was on the move, I would be upset. I'm with you on Chris Bryant, too. I just don't think at the money that you're going to pay him, how incentivized he is to have a good year, and also the market for the value that you would get back from him. And also, let's not forget, too, that the market itself is going to drastically change. And that's been the thing with Chris Bryant all along, is he's wanted $200 million. And guess what? Chris Bryant right now is not a $200 million player, right? And then you have to ask the question, is the Major League market – even able to bring out those type of contracts right now. If you're not Mookie Betts, or if you're not, you know, I don't know what Trevor Bauer is going to get, but you guys get my line of thinking. So I would hang on to Chris Bryant too as well. Personally, I'm kind of looking at Wilson Contreras, and everyone says, don't trade an offensive hitting catcher. Well, guess what? A lot of teams win a lot of games without catchers that hit the baseball, and they seem to have a couple guys in the pipeline. They still got Carantini there. I still think he's a guy that's got all-star in his name. He just so happened to be the dude that sort of, played the best out of the core during the 60 game stretch and maybe you could figure out a way to get some sort of piece there I keep looking at Joey I want to hear just your opinion on this Wilson Contreras and a piece for Whit Merrifield who says no that yeah that that solves a lot of your problems I mean I, I right I, you know it, it, it's a weird reality because you don't want to give up on Wilson but that that would solve a lot of your problems and yeah, I mean, uh, we're just, we're spitballing here, but I am really curious to see what they do. And then I'm also curious to see whether they're actually able to lock somebody up in the off season. Like you mentioned the Baez or the Rizzo. Can they actually get one of these dudes inked to a long-term deal? We're going to keep moving right along. 
I don't know. I'm going to call that maybe the sweet potatoes or I don't know. Maybe that was maybe the salad where the salad's kind of getting a little bad. If you leave it out for too long, you got to eat it quick. You're Just having like salad after squash casserole. <laughs> I, think I, got I'm going... I got into the wrong part of the line. You know, the rotation of the turkey <laughs> yeah, like way over there. Um, speaking of turkeys, Dan, let's talk about Tony La Russa. Um, oh, no. oh, there we go. You guys, you guys have talked a lot about this on your pod already, and I've really enjoyed your guys' perspectives, but for some people that are listening that don't get a chance to listen to your pod, let's just sort of just pick this up with, if Tony La Russa, uh, what, what, is the, what is the timeline for the White Sox to move on from Tony La Russa, where you would say, after this certain point in time, it's too late, and we just got to roll with what we got to roll with? Beyond your thoughts on him actually getting the job, we're all aware of that criticism in Chicago, and we're all aware of his DUI situation right now in, in Maricopa County, which we all know that county now all of a sudden <laughs> due to CNN. Thank there you very go, much. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But what do you think is probably like the doomsday date where I still think personally if it happened today, if they moved on from Tony La Russa, it wouldn't be an embarrassment. I don't think we would look at the White Sox and, and give them too much of a hard time. But how much further can this go along where they probably can't move out of that? And as of right now, would you keep Tony La Russa as the manager of the White Sox? Well, no. It, like, if it's me personally running the team, or if you're Rick Hahn who's running the team, he probably doesn't want him there either, but he can't. It, it sucks to say, and the reality is just what the reality is, even though there's nothing on the record about this. The real question is, when does Jerry decide he wants to give up on La Russa, right? Well, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, and the person who, if you just look any little bit into it, is the reason why Tony La Russa is there in the first place. Once again, obviously nothing on record on that or anything, but this isn't a Rick Hahn move. And even when you go into the press conference after they decided to not bring back Rick Renteria, you know, they decided to part ways there. It's not an official firing there, but exactly. Yeah, mutual agreement that they're just not going to, uh, they're just going to part ways there on the south side. That's not the way Rick drew it up that he was going to go about his business and his due diligence of bringing in the next manager of the Chicago White Sox to try to say, what is the, the fine line of when they finally say, all right, we have to move on from this. We have to fire Tony La Russa and bring in somebody different. I sure as hell hope it's not during the 2021 MLB season, because if you end up firing him next year, it means he's really just going to make colossal mistake after colossal mistake, or just one, huge mistake that you can't get over that even Jerry says, all right, yes, I'll give you the green light to let him go. My hope is that he fills out the lineup. He lets this player, the swaggy team, just do whatever it is they have to do to go out there and compete. He constructs the rotation properly. He makes the right bullpen changes. This is all in a perfect world. And he's quiet, lets the team go about their business. He doesn't get into any more trouble out on the roads or anywhere else. And we just kind of move along because it's probably going to take – once again, I don't know why I keep using this word, a colossal mistake in order for Jerry to finally say, all right, let him go. If it's just little goofy sound bites you hear during interviews and during post or pregame shows, that's probably not going to be good enough. It's just, again, it's going to keep adding to the embarrassment, yes, but that's not going to be what it takes for Jerry to finally say, all right, yeah, I'll let you go on ahead, toss Tony LaRusa to the side, we'll bring in somebody else. And even at that point, if you do it in the middle or at any point of next season, who are you going to bring in at that point? Now it's just going to be an interim manager, probably whoever's, you know, that, that you're going to promote, whether it be pitching coach, bench coach, you hitting coach, you name it, who's now going to take that role. So if it gets that bad, 
to where you have to let him go at some point during the season. That is not the way as a Sox fan, you want things to go next year when this team is finally on the up and up. We were promised 2020 that there was going to be, you were going to see the signs of growth, many signs of growth. And we did. And hat tip to hat tip to the club for delivering on that promise. We, we are starting to see really good progression and you would hate for the reason for things to take any kind of stumble backwards next year to be because of this ridiculous hire of Tony La Russa now as the manager of the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, just an unnecessary distraction, right, with a team that's just skyrocketing straight up to the stars. And to speak on your perfect world, I think the perfect world also is that you win a World Series in the next two years and La Russa retires after two, right? Maybe he comes back for that second one and then just rides off into the sunset because let's be honest, I don't think this is a long-term solution. And short of, like you said, Tony La Russa streaking down 35th Street, um, I don't think Jerry's going to probably pull the trigger. Um, Joey, I want to get your thoughts on on Tony Larusa, and just I want to hear your thoughts on what you think. This type of gamble is. Did you are you on board with this type of gamble? You know, going for it with this Hall of Fame manager with this young up and coming team. I mean, this could really go in two different directions. Just as Dan was talking about, where do you stand on the Tony Larusa hiring right now with the White Sox? Yeah, it's totally not worth the gamble. I, I, I'm, I, I'm with Dan. I'm completely against it. I think, but he's a Hall look, of Fame baseball person. <laughs> I'm getting that shirt right. Should we all get shirts, guys? <laughs> we should. Or the .08 as his uh, jersey number was a good one too. I saw this week. Uh, but no, I'm, I, I'm just as out as Dan is. I think if you look at it on a paper and you go Hall of Fame manager joins team on cusp of World Series, wow, that looks great. But when you read into it and you go. Okay, it's Tony La Russa, who, yes, has been a baseball, but hasn't managed in, in, in a decade plus. And so he's been kind of detached from the game that way. With all of his, his views and controversial standing points on cultural, social awareness, social justice, on a team that is incredibly outspoken and rightfully so on those issues. And as Dan's pointed out in many of our shows, literally their slogan was change the game. I mean, they've been very outspoken to, to fight for social justice. And... Plus the DUI is not setting a good example either. And so it's this, it's this marriage of, I guess you could make a baseball argument for it. And I know Dan has done that on our show uh, of there are certain qualities he may bring, but the negative so far outweighs the positive that why is it even worth it? Like all we should be talking about right now is how good this White Sox team is and where they're going to go. And instead, all we've talked about for the last month is, oh my gosh, they hired Tony La Russa. This is a disaster. Why is this guy managing the team? He has no idea what he's doing. He has every wrong stance. Now he's got a DUI. It's like, that's the only talking point. Well, dude, if we wanted to talk about the manager, let's just get Ozzy. At least we'd have a good time. If we right. want to just talk about distractions through managerial moves and stuff, you might as well just bring in Ozzy. Dan, hop in. No, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because – What's interesting is as soon as like the, the managerial spot became open there on the South side, one of the first reports that came out was, Oh, by the way, we told Ozzy, like, we're not interested. Like it's definitely not going to happen that way. <laughs> was we're such going a hilarious, the totally right way. Such a hilarious ex spouse move by the way, or what, like ex significant other where they're like, you're like, Oh, I didn't know you were single again. Congratulations. You're like, yeah, you know, the last one didn't work out, but don't worry. I'm not getting back <laughs> together with Rhonda. I'm not calling Rhonda. She's like way in the past. You know what I mean? Like, this is not going to happen. They had to come out so early and say that. It's so funny. Go ahead, Dan. No, 100%. It, it had that vibe to it, to where it's like, no, we're not, we're not trying to revamp the past now or the glories there, which, granted, I mean, 
Tony La Russa, yes, multiple championships, multiple World Series, but Ozzy was the one who did it with you, right? He's the one who brought, who brought you there to the promised land back in 2005. And you're like, no, we don't want to reminisce on that. We're not going back to 2005 with Ozzy. No, we're, no, we're going back to like with the late 80s when Ken the Hawk Harrelson was the GM and let go of Tony La Russa. We're going way, way back. No, no guys, we're not going back. We're going way back. We're hopping in the, we're hopping in the DeLorean and bringing Tony La Russa back. So just the irony there of immediately coming out and saying, no, 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 we're making, making it to where it's known to the masses, right, that they're not going to bring back Ozzy, but then you go to Tony La Russa. And I'm not going on this little soapbox reel because I wanted Ozzy Guillen back. I'm just saying the irony there is so hilarious that you made it seem like, no, we're going to be way more responsible than that. Mm-hmm. Ozzy's not even – he's not even a candidate, but guess who is? Tony La Russa. Well, when you hire a 76-year-old, I guess you are getting some sort of sense of responsibility, which immediately was neutralized by his uh, recent arrest. But I digress. We're going to go to one final topic for you, and I know what you guys are thinking. We're going to talk bears, but you know what? It's Thanksgiving. They're on a bye week, and I like you guys. I'm not bringing you on here to torture you, okay? Uh, So we're just going to skip the bears for this week, and maybe we can pick it up on another time. But I wanted to throw this at you, and I've been thinking about this for a long time, so this might catch you a little bit off guard. But I think we're all in the relative same age group as, as each other. And I think this is a, a, a point of pride where give me a better stretch of Chicago sports than 2005 to 2016. And I think a lot about what's I think a lot about that and what's happened in the last four years where we're talking about the Cubs regressing. We're talking about the Bulls are lost in the wilderness. The Blackhawks now, the core is getting old. The White Sox are just finishing up their rebuild. Now, the other one that I'm going to throw at you is, and this is, this is an 11-year span. You're like, why aren't you doing 10? Because honestly, numbers are arbitrary. That's, just, that's, just human. that's what humans do. My other one I was going to throw out there was 89 to 2000. So you got the six Bulls championships in there but no other championships from any other Chicago sports time, right? 89 Cubs go to the playoffs. I believe the Bears still went to the playoffs, I think, in 89. And then the 90s, you had the White Sox teams that were really good. They got super close. The Blackhawks went to the playoffs every single year. The Cubs went to the playoffs in 98. White Sox went to the playoffs in 2000. So you got that era. But 2005 to 2016, you got Cubs World Series, White Sox World Series, three Blackhawks titles, three Blackhawks Cups, Bears go to a, uh, a Super Bowl, NFC Championship game. So I ask you, Joey, go first. Which do you think is the better Chicago sports era? Maybe just for you personally, because we lived through both of them, and it's kind of it's kind of sweet. Yeah, I I'd have to go with the second one, and it's I haven't really thought of it in that way, but I think I think it really is that that 2005 to 2016 stretch. It's well, yes, there's many scary memories of, of certain Bulls teams or a White Sox, you know, after the World Series and after 08 didn't make it till obviously this year. Uh, but that's a pretty good window because you knew every year there was some type of team in this town that was going to be competing for a championship or they were just coming off of one. And that's a pretty good feeling to have because as much as we bitch and moan every week about these teams, there are little bright spots like that of, okay, yeah, we got those Hawks championships and the Cubs and Sox had two playoff runs or three playoff runs in those stretches. And, and the Bulls had weird playoff runs, whether it was with Derrick Rose or even but it Nate was fun, Robinson right? or Ben Gordon. Yeah, it, was whoever, fun. Right? it was fun. Even if they lost to the Celtics in round one. And so I think you're right. I think that's, that's probably a better one. While yes, it didn't result in all the championships you wanted, 
it was at least a window that was super competitive that you knew every year someone was going to be there for your root for at the end of it. And that's, that's kind of all you can ask for. Yeah. And I hear you. And I don't know, maybe it's Thanksgiving. It's got me thinking about what I'm thankful for, but all this, you know, stress and all this, you know, frustration and angst that I think Chicago sports fans have been feeling the last three or four years. It's maybe it's because we're kind of exiting after the Cubs won that world series. We're just sort of exiting an era where these things go in cycles. You know what I mean? And if you want to go even deeper about it, you know, in the nineties, you got Northwestern going, you know, to the Rose bowl in 98. If you want to go into 2005, 2016, you got Loyola doing its thing. You got what the Illini went to the national championship. Oh, six, oh, five, oh, four, oh, five. Yeah. There you go. Oh, five. So that's in there too, as well. Dan, what say you, what was the greatest, uh, which is a better run that 89 to 2000 era or 2005 to 2016? Man, well, first things first, thank you for not doing the whole beers thing, because that would have been the Thanksgiving dish that you, I like you, throw, you just throw straight in the trash. That's what is what it that when you open was. up the turkey and there's nothing in it? What was yeah, it? <laughs> that, that's what that one would have been. It's all right, this one's going straight to the garbage. Um, I'm definitely going 05 to 16. That, that's where you ended it, right? 16, the Cubs World Series. Yeah, I think, I think you definitely have to go there. And there's plenty of things that happen besides if you do the 86 to, to 2000. There's plenty of things that happen, good sports moments in between that 85-86 Super Bowl and the six championships for the Chicago Bulls and getting to see an NBA player named Michael Jordan. Um, but still, championships are where it's all at. And I know there's more championships. Is there, let's see, six, seven. There's seven championships from 86 to 98. Then you have three, four, five. So there's less championships from the 05 to the 16 year, but still. But it's a different spread. There's like a variety. So it's kind of like the greatest singular athlete I've ever seen in my life Yeah. versus – you know, a, a championship in the spring, you know what I mean? A championship yeah. in the fall, you know what I mean? It's a little more of a spread out. So it's kind of like, it's hard to tell. Not only that, I mean, it's the 85, 86 Bears who are obviously to the end of time in Chicago are going to be, you know, just renowned in this city. And then the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls. But I'm picking 05 to, 05 to 16 because let's just start right there at 05. Champion, the, the, and I know there's a little bit of a bias here, but the 2005 Chicago White Sox, are the most underrated championship team in American sports history. They 100% are. I don't want to hear anything about it. Leading their division wire to wire, winning 99 regular season games, going, was it 12 and one, if I'm doing the math correctly, in the postseason. Torched people. Four, they, they lose game one of the ALCS, and then they win. Joey and I actually just talked about this on one of, on one of our uh, previous shows. Four straight complete games in the ALCS. That you'll never see again that you will never see again to defeat the angels and then go on and sweep the Astros in the world series. I mean, just total dominance from wire to wire. And the only other team in the postseason that rivals that record are the New York Yankees. And yet you hardly, if anything, you forget about the 05 white Sox. At least ESPN does. You literally, the nation literally forgets sometimes that year ever happened, but just a special team, arguably the most underrated team uh, sports or championship team in American sports history. And then 2016, ending a 108-year drought, and Joey touched on what that meant, you know, obviously with the Theo the Epstein era, and that changed lives. I mean, literally, we could even dial it back to Theo Epstein and what he did in Boston and in Chicago. He literally changed people's lives by engineering those championship teams, and you're talking a 108-year drought that finally got snapped, and that's just – it's. It, I'm not even a Cubs fan, but that, 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 that was just a magical time. And then you go talk about the Chicago Blackhawks and how there was literally a dynasty – in between in between that era too so you're talking three stanley cups dynasty for the for the blackhawks the most underrated championship team in my opinion again and i know there's a bias in american sports history and then 
the championship for the, the World Series for the Chicago Cubs in 2016, one of the most memorable World Series of all time and will be for quite a while. I mean, that's probably, if you're just talking to any baseball historian about one of the most memorable World Series, that's going to be one of them, top five, top ten. It'll probably be there for a long time. Oh, well, and, and game seven is the greatest baseball oh. game I've ever watched. Um, and, you know, and honestly, it's probably – is probably the drunkest I've ever had, I've, most alcohol I've ever had in my body, but the most sober I've ever been, if that makes any kind of sense, where I had all my wits and faculties about me. And I'm looking back and I'm like, man, how many tall boys did I have that night? And also don't forget after that 2005 season uh, with the White Sox in 06, we got the Devin Hester Bears. And we got, you yeah. know, we got, we got Urlacher and Sexy Rexy and, you know, the, the trek to the Super Bowl and all that stuff. So I, I, I'm really glad I got a chance to ask you guys that question because, just feeling a little reflective and isn't it really cool that you know we got spoiled by Jordan when we when we grew up you know we didn't even know what basketball was because we thought it was perfection you know what I mean it was just like mm -hmm. no one paints everyone paints just like Picasso you know what I mean but no it actually didn't work out like that and then in our 20s you know our formative sports loving years we get this era of 11 years of just really cool Chicago sports moments over and over and over again and I just can't help but think that maybe we're just entering a new era. We're entering a little bit of a hibernation right now. And we just need to kind of hold tight because I don't really see any particular team right now, you know, maybe stepping up to the, you know, stepping up to the wire. Lightning round question, you know, just pick one, one team, one word, one answer, and we're going to get you guys out of here. Joey, one Chicago sports team, which team is the closest to winning their respective championship in their respective sport? Oh, the White Sox, hands down. Has White to be. They, they, they are the most prime team to, to get to the top. Yep, I agree. And Dan, one team, closest team right now in Chicago sports, en route to perhaps winning a championship in their respective sport. Chicago White Sox. That's correct. That's it, correct. Makes, it, it makes me feel good that one of the topics we talked about was, oh my gosh, this Tony La Russa thing, it's, gonna, it's just an embarrassment. It's going to keep growing and growing. <laughs> but we haven't lost faith that it's literally going to derail a championship window for the Chicago White Sox. And it's because a manager probably gets you well, five, five, five wins or losses or so during the regular season. And, and, what, and what a shame, too, as well, because literally I would love nothing more than to bring you guys on and talk about, man, Eloy is amazing. Yeah. And Moncada was You're even, welcome. Yeah, Moncada was even at his best last year. Luis Jose Robert, Abreu, the AL MVP. Jose Abreu, the quintessential baseball player with tar all over his body, a wad in his mouth, and a huge chain on his neck. Gentlemen, I'm going to get you guys out of here. Their show is Believe in Chicago Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. This was Joey Gelman and Daniel Collins. Guys, thank you so much for joining. Really enjoyed talking to you guys. Hopefully, we can bring it back in the future because, you know, we'll see. There's always going to be Chicago sports to talk about. And there's going to be some baseball moves coming up in the offseason. Maybe the Chicago Bulls will play basketball in the next six or seven weeks. We'll see how that schedule works out. You guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was Betting in Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you hit up BetOnline.ag this weekend because week 11, there's no Bears football, which means you can actually have fun this weekend. You can bet on some other games. You can actually win some money, get some sleep this weekend, not go to bed depressed. So head up BetOnline.ag today and make sure you place your wager with them. Until then, you guys, we're going to come back next week with a couple more really fun pods before the holiday. Until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other, and we will talk soon. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.